0: Let's gather back together. We will be collecting offering for the work of our church in just a moment. Make checks out to New Life United Methodist Church and we can of course uh, have some online giving. Opportunities. If you're interested, you can come talk to me. Uh, we'll also be transitioning our young people to their children's experience. They're going to go from that side of the gym to this side of the gym, where Miss Whitney is, and uh, head to their experience at this time. I do want to encourage you, as we collect our offering, you guys can go ahead. Uh, we uh, really just need to get the word out now, at this point, about the Paper Angel Closet. We do have a good... Um, uh, we do have a good supply built up that doesn't mean don't you know if you want to go out and get some stuff don't continue to do that we're going to we're going to need more um, throughout the year uh, but one one thing we really need to do is just keep making connections keep talking to people I had a, a one pretty productive meeting this week with uh, uh, some folks from schools and businesses who will be supporting it and uh, working with us so uh, keep that opportunity. And if there's opportunities that you know that you wanna engage with, please do that. Um, if you want me to come and speak to a group, please do that. Uh, we're talking about you know, a, a, a potential group of 3,000 homeless children um, this year. Uh, so we need all the help we can get and we need to get the word out as much as possible. Uh, not only to um, help and build up for the paper angel closet, but also to build up awareness so that we can start identifying what's going on why this is a problem why it's getting bigger and what we can do to stop it Uh, what we can do to make that number not grow 25 50 I think 60 percent last year Um, why how we can get that number to start shrinking so uh, part of that is just awareness part of that is uh, getting people invested in this uh, mission the paper angel closet Um, part of it is uh, just uh, being open to God and listening to where God is calling us so uh, this has been a ministry marked by quite a few miracles already. Uh, we just need to keep our ears open to where God is calling us to do and uh, how God is calling us to, to really impact this um, homeless and at-risk student population. I get nervous when I uh, turn on the news and hear stories about, um, although pretty much my entire life in Rockford we've been struggling with, rising prostitution issue, but uh, you know, I, I get nervous when I hear about a you know, a rising uh, uh, rate in prostitution and a rising rate in homeless uh, teenagers um, and a rising rate in homeless students. Uh, you know, I, I get nervous when I hear about a increase in certain illegal drugs uh, that haven't been around here before uh, and homeless teenagers. Uh, and, and so we, we need to make sure that our ch- teenagers have the opportunity um, to do what God is calling them to do and not to get invested in crime and uh, drugs and prostitution and all that kind of stuff that people do to survive uh, and we want to make sure that they have their basic needs met we also want to make sure that we are able to reach out to them and prevent some of this stuff and most of all show them the love of Jesus Christ let's have a word of prayer on that somber note sorry Lord we just invite you into this time you uh, In the midst of this uh, just especially cold end of winter, this especially cold end of February, we just ask that you remind us of the light of your Son, Jesus Christ, that you remind us of new life as we come into our Easter season, that yes, as the seasons turn, there will be sunshine, there will be warmth, there will be grass and trees looming. There will be new life in our world, but this is also a season of experiencing new life in each of our lives. So send your spirit upon us. Allow us to hear your word and your miraculous deeds a new way today, so that we may carry them with us today and always. We pray this in your holy name. Well, welcome to New Life. I'm Mark Myers, and I want to welcome all of those joining us online at our podcast. Uh, encourage you, if you're listening online, uh, go to www.findnewlifeumc.org. That gives you a little bit of ways to get connected to us. Uh, also links to support our uh, paper Angel Closet, and uh, also catch up on other opportunities that you missed, or you can go on iTunes um, and uh, hear any of the, the sermons as well. So we're in our third week, and therefore our third miracle of Grave Robber, looking at the seven miracles of Jesus Christ found in the Gospel of John. Today we're going to talk about a miracle that has a little bit to do with superstition. Is anybody superstitious? You don't schedule things on Friday the 13th. Maybe you do things a little differently than some of other people in your life. Uh, gamers are always superstitious and, and every gamer has a, a, a way they order or place their dice or um, stack their cards and anything else a little similar with gamblers too I guess but uh, generally gamers are fairly superstitious and I'm personally a little bit superstitious and I come by it naturally because my great-grandmother was very superstitious. She came over to America when she was 16 from Sweden and uh, started a life and started a family and and a great woman um but she she was a little superstitious and and very traditional superstitions the ones you would you know you would know about uh you know don't walk under a a ladder uh you know it's bad luck to to break a mirror things like that um you know if a black cat crosses your path um that's bad luck don't step on a crack that is particularly dangerous to your mother um and for every one of those superstitions, those old country superstitions, there is the superstition. It's bad luck if you witness or if this happens. But then there's also a remedy. Did you know that? There's a remedy for each one of those. And uh, my great-grandmother, one in particular, um, if a, ca- a black cat crossed your path, and I live with a black cat, so happens a lot. <laughs> and if a black cat, I, I won't say what I... what. I won't say that I do what she did, uh, but you can leave that up to your imagination. Uh, if a black cat crosses your path, you were to spit at it. And that would negate the bad luck. Well, she was in the back of the car with my grandmother and grandfather uh, one day, and they got, a, they got stopped. They were downtown in Chicago, where my uh, whole family's from, and uh, they stopped at a lighter, a stop sign, and a black cat crossed the car. So great-grandma decided to spit at the cat. <laughs> And as you can imagine from the backseat of the car, my grandfather was not particularly thrilled that his mother-in-law had just spit on his window shield. But that's what superstitions are, right? We believe that if we don't do something or that if we do something, we'll get bad luck, we'll get good luck. And today's miracle happened in an area where superstition was alive and well. And the location of the miracle was a superstitious sight so we're going to look at that just a little bit um, but before we do let's hear um let's hear from the gospel hear this miracle and talk a little bit about what's going on in it so john chapter 5 immediately following the second miracle so between the first and the second miracle there was some time but between the third or the second and the third almost no time passes. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. After this, there was a Jewish festival, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, in the north city wall, there was a pool with the Aramaic name Bethesda. It had five covered porches, and a crowd of people who were sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed sat there. Now, a certain man who was there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, knowing that he had already been there a long time, he asked the man, Do you want to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I I don't have anyone who can put me in the water when it's stirred up. I'm trying to get to it. Someone else has already gotten in ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Immediately the man was well. He picked up his mat and he walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. Now John shows us a, uh, a little more gritty of a Jesus than some of the synoptic Matthew, Mark, and Luke Gospels do. A Jesus that really doesn't hold any punches. Uh, remember the first miracle. Jesus is uh, just hanging out at a party with some of his friends, right? And, and all of a sudden, they're out of wine, and his mother comes up and says, Son, they're out of wine. And what's he say? He says, Woman, what's that have to do with me? And that, It was less flattering than even I said it just now. If I called my mom that, she would not be real happy to me. Jesus' mom acted similar um, to him and ignored him completely. Last week, when we talked about the Roman official... The Roman official who, who had climbed up well, who had walked uphill twenty to forty miles, who was out of breath, who who probably looked like a sore sight, a crowd of people gathered around him to see the spectacle. He says, Please come, Jesus, and help save my son. And Jesus looks to the crowd and says, Do I have to keep performing miracles for you to believe in me? So this is a you know, this is kind of a Jesus who's got some tenacity, let me say that. So here at the Sheep Gate, or at the, the, the pools of Bethesda, he sees this man who for 38 years has not been able to walk, and he looks down at the man and he says, Get up! Well, that's maybe not the most compassionate thing we can imagine, huh? Perhaps not the nicest aspect of Jesus we've seen in the Gospels. He was asking the man to do the impossible, this man hadn't walked for 38 years, and Jesus was saying, Walk. He hadn't carried anything by himself for 38 years, and he's saying, Carry your mat. He had been ill, in, in a sense, for 38 years, and he's saying, Get well. Now, the first two miracles, Jesus tells people that the miracles are done. He says to the servants, Take up the water and bring it to the, serv- uh, to the, the master of the feast. He tells the official, Your son is healed. Here, he never says, You're healed. He says, get up, take your mat and go. He commands the impossible into possibility. Jesus, and we have to hear this, and this is true through all of the miracles, and this is what makes a miracle, Jesus is master of the impossible. We have to believe that if we're going to experience a miracle. Sometimes it comes easy. Sometimes it comes difficult, like in this story. But Jesus is master of our impossibilities. Now that brings us to our our superstition today, uh, and the superstition around this place. When you put your faith in in false promises, it's going to fail. You put your faith in superstitions, it's always going to fail. This man and many others, obviously it wasn't just this man, there was a whole bunch of, as the scripture says, sick, blind, lame, and, phys- and paralyzed people who were there for this particular reason. They believed that at a certain time in this great pool, this, this like large bathhouse where hundreds of people would gather, they believed that every so often an angel would come down from heaven and stir up the waters. Angel of the Lord comes into the pool, stirs up the waters. And the very first person to get into the pool after the waters had been stirred would be miraculously healed. That was the belief. Now what was really happening, I mean we don't have to disprove that there was an angel stirring the waters, but in this case it was a superstition. What was really happening was the natural springs that fed into the pool would stir up the waters occasionally. If you've ever been to a spring, you know how that works. Water comes up from the earth, stirs it around a little bit. But they believed if you were the first person in, you were healed. Whatever your malady would be, you would be healed. Here's the superstition part. No one was ever healed. There's no record of anyone ever being healed at this pool. So it's not a very good belief system if no one is ever healed. But this man for 38 years sat by this pool and waited for his opportunity I mean, can you just picture him pleading or or crawling or trying to get into the pool first? Imagine there was always some, you know, healthy jerk who jumped in, right? As soon as that happened. Just to mess with these poor people. (laughs) That's not in the Bible. I'm just adding that in there. I don't know. Seemed like something maybe I would do in my younger years. (sighs) But you believe, I mean, there was hundreds of people just waiting. Waiting to be the first in. But they were never healed, even if they were. So what we have to ask ourselves is, what is it, like this man sitting by the pool, what is it that you put your faith in that you know isn't true, that you know is a superstition? And, And not like the black cat stuff or the ladder stuff, right? I'm talking about practical superstitions. What superstitions keep you from fully believing in God? More money will solve all my problems. Fall into that sometimes. Getting married, having kids will make me happy. I think most of us know that it takes a lot of work. A new job would give my life meaning. Whatever it is, what is the superstition that keeps you from fully investing in the miracles God has in store for you? So that was what's going on here uh, in that tradition of that pool. But the man also was making an assumption, and that's very different. That's very difficult. He was making an assumption that that pool was the key to his healing, it was the key to his salvation. He made that very dangerous assumption because it wasn't true. And we do it too. How often do we assume what God can and cannot do? How often do we not pray for something because we don't want to bother God with it or we even think maybe it's too big for God or too small for God. I think sometimes we do that. We don't want to bother God with those small things. Here's the truth. I want you to you hear this really clear. 100% of the prayers you do not pray will not get answered. Hey, okay, did you catch that? have to be careful. 100% of the prayers that you don't pray will never be answered. God can't answer prayers that you aren't praying. If you assume God can't do something, God may not do that in your life. Now God won't answer every prayer that you do pray, but here's the truth. When your prayers and God's will, when they line up, that's when miracles happen. That's when the miraculous happens the man wanted to be healed jesus wanted to heal him and a miracle happened at that pool when the two aligned something miraculous happened now we make these assumptions and we have to be careful and it's not always about what god can't do but we just get kind of born down in our real world right in in the realities of life in the way things are three years ago almost three years ago a little girl came into the hospital a uh, few weeks old and, and she, was, she was beaten and she was bruised and she was bleeding and, and the doctors didn't think she would live through the night they assumed that she would die actually but she didn't her, her eyes had been so damaged hemorrhaged retinas bleeding in her eyes that they just assumed, they almost knew that she'd never be able to see. But a year later, she got her first pair of glasses and the damage in her eyes had actually healed. The brain scans of this little girl are so devastating. The damage in her brain is so extensive that some of the world's best neurologists think she should be in a vegetative state. But she laughs and she plays and she can be a brat sometimes my beloved daughter has taught me so much about miracles she is a living miracle she is a breathing miracle she is an amazing miracle she just started preschool last week she is a miracle on this earth but if i assume that the miracles are over if i stop praying Then they might be. If I assume God has done everything God is going to do in her life, that she's come this far and that's great. If I'm even content in it, if I'm even, you know, thank God, you know, you've done such wonderful things, you know, take a vacation, I guess. You know, enjoy your time off. Then I'm cheating us out of the opportunities that maybe could arise. And so I keep praying for miracles, and I will always keep praying for miracles. And regardless of of the situation, we are praying for little Aria and miracles to happen there. And so many children in our lives, we're we're talking about 3,000 homeless children who we need miracles to happen in their lives. And even if your children are healthy and have a wonderful home, we are praying for miracles in their lives too. Doesn't every parent pray for a miracle? for their children, obviously, so that they'll know Jesus Christ, but so that they'll be happy, so that they'll be whole, so that they'll be well. If we who are broken, if we who are flawed, if we who make mistakes and screw up can pray for miracles for our children, do you not think that God the Father in heaven is praying for miracles in your life? Have you assumed that God has stopped wanting to give you miracles? That God the Father isn't desperate to make a miracle happen in your life? What's it going to be? I don't know. That's, that's the thing that's up in the air, right? But Jesus asks it like this to this man. He says, do you want to get well? This is, again, this is just matter-of-fact Jesus. He says, do you want to get well? And that seems like a silly question to us. First, because we know the end of the story. Second, because this man has been unable to walk for 38 years. Why wouldn't he want to get well? Well, think about it for a second. What's it mean for him to get well? This man who has sat and begged and not moved or worked for 38 years. And the average lifespan... (laughs) In Jesus' time was about 24, give or take. Now, part of that is kind of skewed because of the infant mortality rate. But either way, 38 was pretty good. He was kind of on some dying time, in a sense. So what would it mean for this man, 38 years old to get well? He'd have to learn how to use his legs. He'd have to get a job. He'd have to learn how to provide for himself and his family. He'd have to learn how to engage in regular society. He'd have to learn how to worship in different ways because he wasn't invited into the temple like everyone else. He'd have to study for the first time, maybe learn how to read for the first time, learn how to interact with other people. There was a lot of responsibility for healing in this man. You know, there wasn't a lot of social welfare programs back then. So he would have had to make himself away. He would have had to pick up his mat and gone on his way. Now, new life in Christ means responsibility. Being made new in Christ means something. It means Loving God, loving others, sharing the good news wherever, whenever, means making disciples and it means bearing fruit in the Spirit, in the name of Christ. So, the question Jesus asked to them, man, is truly a question Jesus asked to us today. Do you want to get well? I think that's something maybe to think about this week. Do you really want to be healed? if you're struggling with whatever it is, illness, sickness, sometimes our pain, sometimes our negativity, sometimes even our disabilities can become our crutches. We rely on them. Even our addiction and our suffering can become crutches. We rely on them. Do you want to get well? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be called into the ends of the earth? Do you want to be transformed into radical ministry? Getting well might mean life change. Do you want to mix up your life? Do you want to unclutter it? Do you want to get well? It means something different for all of us, but for every single one of us, it means a new responsibility. So Jesus called this man to do the impossible. Get up and walk. It was like Jesus was calling him to bend his own will. But we know that no miracle can be willed by human will. But well, when human will and God will, when they collide, that's when miracles happen. He made the effort. He had the faith and the hope that the impossible was possible in Jesus Christ. He had to let go of the superstition. He had to give up his assumptions. And he actually had to desire to get well. All of that, and he had to believe that the possible, impossible was possible in In Jesus Christ. Now the man had to believe that Jesus could say, get up and walk. And that he could do it. But if he really had to believe that Jesus, the man in front of him, not only could will him to do that, not only could make him better, but truly he had to believe that this man was God's only son. That he was Christ the Lord. That he was God incarnate. And that reality, Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Jesus Christ, Word made flesh. That is the impossible becoming possible. That is the source of all these miracles and the source of every healing in our lives. If you don't believe that Word became flesh and lived among us, it will be hard to believe that the impossible can be made possible in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Yes, Carol. Sure. yeah if you uh pick up the book or have been reading the book uh the grave robber uh pastor batterson talks about a lot of uh mismatched miracles somebody praying for this and this happens and that kind of thing so um yeah it, it's god doesn't always give us what we want <laughs> and that's that's good actually <laughs> that's really good i think um but that doesn't mean that there aren't miracles that we miss. And God isn't answering our prayers in other ways that we don't quite understand or that we see maybe in hindsight, that's for sure. Thank you. Well, let's have a prayer uh, remembering those who cannot be here. Remembering those who are in need. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you again for this opportunity to worship with you, to be your church. We ask that you be now with not only this body, but with all of those who need your love and comfort. Allow us to be your hands and feet. To be your ambassadors, brothers and sisters, heirs to your kingdom on this earth who willingly try to make your kingdom a reality in everything we do. We ask that you be with all of those who suffer, those who are ill, those who are in need of your prayer. We pray for Ryan Earl who is uh, in a car accident on the way here to worship with us tonight and we just uh, he's safe everyone's safe but we uh, pray for uh, him during the stress of having to deal with uh, beat up cars and uh, unable to have your car and uh, get to places where you want Lord we just pray for Aria and we just continue to ask for uh, miraculous things to happen in her lives we just ask that if you know this surgery can help her that you make it a reality that you protect her all along this journey lord we pray for all of those prayers that are on our hearts those that are able to be spoken among friends those that we don't even have words for we just ask that you allow us to pray for miracles and see those miracles when they happen Lord, we pray for those who lead, those who serve. We pray for the family of the fire that uh, claimed a life in Rockton and uh, the connection to our brothers and sisters at Sherland. We pray for all those who have lost loved ones. We pray for those who suffer worldwide. We pray for the community of homeless children in our in Winnebago and Boone but we pray for children everywhere that the church may gather around that they may meet their uh, basic needs that we may have compassion on them and their families most of all that we may share your good news with them most of all Lord we just ask that you be with your church truly make us one that we may be your body in this world, in our community, in the lives of our families and friends, and the faces that we meet in the crowd, those people who are forgotten and forsaken. We pray this in your holiness. We come to our time of celebration of the Lord's Supper. And as we come, we remind you that here at New Life we practice open table communion, Means if you are desiring a relationship with Jesus Christ and with one another, if you are willing to ask for forgiveness in whatever way you need it and receive that forgiveness, you are welcome at this table. We use grape juice instead of wine, and we have gluten free bread for all people to affirm the inclusion of this table, Christ's table. As we join in this time, we join together in an act of confession. Confessing where we have perhaps fallen short this week since the last time we have gathered and asked God for forgiveness. So let us join together in that act of confession. Maybe. Still doing better than the opening band last night at the concert. At least our words are spelled right. Thank you. Recognizing that we all sin and are at the mercy of God, we take this time to confess our sins and be assured of the forgiveness that is available to us all through Christ Jesus. Father, you love us, yet we find it hard to love ourselves. You sent your Son, Jesus, to prove your love to us, and we fail to love one another. Forgive us for all we have thought, done, and said. Forgive what we have failed to do or say. Renew us to new life in your kingdom. Hear this good news. God loved us so much that he gave his son Jesus Christ so that we may have new life. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. We come to the table in Thanksgiving. This is a time of Eucharist where we give thanks to God who created the heavens and the earth, who created you and me, and who wants to have a relationship with each one of us here tonight. Master of the universe, as friend, as brother and sister. So we give thanks. But we also come as a great communion, as all of the members of a body here tonight around a common table. But we come gathered with a great cloud of witnesses, from across the world, from across the nation, but all of those who have proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord, past, present, and future, gather around this table with us in spirit. We are connected by the Holy Spirit, who lives outside time and space, who allows us to be connected with all of those. And so we come gathered around a table. And we come in remembrance remembering that on the night Jesus was betrayed, that he took bread like this, that he broke it, and giving thanks to God and giving it to his disciples, he said, take eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal, he took wine like this and giving it to his disciples, giving thanks to the Father, he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you, and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you meet in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves as holy and living sacrifices in union with Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross. And so we recall the mystery of our faith, and I just encourage you to repeat, each line after me Christ has died Christ is risen Christ will come again this act is a means of grace a time that we can experience the loving action of God in our lives it is a holy sacrament something Jesus taught us to do and something we continue to do to experience God's love on a regular basis and so we pray this prayer Lord pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts of bread and wine and upon all those gathered here truly make them be for us your body that we may be your body of the church redeemed by your blood for this world and the next make us one one with each other one with you father son holy spirit and one in unity with your holy church and so we remember the eschatological truth that uh, when we gather around this table, we may experience a foretaste of what life will be like when Christ comes again and we feast at his heavenly banquet. And so I invite you to the table. Servers will be in front of the pulpit and ushers will dismiss each row at a time. Just come, receive the elements, dip the bread in the wine and return to your seat. You feel free to kneel at the table for a time of prayer or just pray at your seat silently as we transition. But as you come to the table, I invite you to remember that this is Christ's body broken for you that you may be Christ's body of the church. And this is Christ's blood which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins so that you may be forgiven and have new life today and always. I'ma ask my servers to come to